It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, and anywhere across the country if you download the Radio Player Canada app. It is a pleasure to welcome to the show someone we've had on before. However, uh, she is back with us, Carolyn King. Uh, is the uh, a former chief at the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation, and she has been involved with the Cultural Committee and the uh, the powwow uh, on new credit for a long time. And uh, it's a pleasure to have her back on here. We're talking about her involvement with the powwow and the Cultural Committee because, as everyone knows, many things have been impacted by the COVID-19 lockdown. And one of those things that has been affected is uh, many powwows in communities around the country, uh, the Mississaugas of the Credit being one of them. Um, Carolyn, welcome to the show. Ah, Ani, Ani, thank you very Ani. much for having us. It's a pleasure. Uh, Carolyn, you know, uh, the powwow has been running for a long time. Yes. How many years has it been running now? Uh, 34. Our first one was 19, uh, 1987. Mm. We uh, held it here. Uh, the desire of uh, a group of people who we were running the uh, running our cultural program, and it was suggested that you know we should hold a power, mm. and we started uh, planning, and was uh, back in eighty seven, uh, like the lotto system was called Winterio back then, and we applied for that funding and got uh, uh, five thousand dollars toward the first event, and that was held on the ball diamond here mm. and turned out to be um, pretty dusty. <laughs> mm, mm, we got a thunderstorm uh, <laughs> and some of the dancers called it uh, the dust powwow <laughs> as it had been so dry. And <laughs> then it was, um, uh, they called it the two moccasin powwow because we held it on the ball diamond where there's sand and stones and stuff and mm. they wore through their uh, moccasins. <laughs> <laughs> so that was interesting. And then uh, we got a um, like a really bad storm the second day and blew the top off of our, our arbor and everything. So <laughs> it was a, a memorable, I'll say. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we had um, uh, we had the Three Fires uh, community, Eddie Benton Benet and mm. the, the uh, St. Charles Village people. They helped us get the first powwow going. Well, they worked with us for about five years to get, you know, sort of to get things down right. And that uh, we had sort of like three drums, three, four drums, actually. Mm. And we had um, 30 dancers. Only two of them were new credit. And mm. we had 11 vendors. So that's how mm. we started. And uh, we uh, continue to basically we've continued to grow since then mm. now it's always been uh has it always been a two-day event then uh yes yes now in recent years it started to expand to some degree once you once you moved over to uh the the grove area uh, maybe you could explain a little bit about the grove area for people um okay and, well and where that is. explaining how it, like how we started out on the ball diamond right mm. from the first year our uh, helpers uh, they were camping in what's what we call the grove, which is a 
you know, a little wooded area, a couple acres uh, out behind the council house here, because I'm talking from the uh, Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation office, um, mm. our cultural committee office, and that um, the, uh, they suggested, they were camping out there, and they suggested to us, you know, it would be ideal if you, we hold the power back there. Right, mm. where there's nice big open. There's an opening space there. It's got trees and shade, uh, and uh, we could put the arbor right in the middle. And so, that's how that was their suggestion. And on year two, we moved, and we've basically stayed in that area. Um, we've only had to change things because of, uh, you know, because we drove back there. Everybody parked there. All mm. the vendors were in the trees. They just loved it. I would like yeah. to, people say this one of our, one of the best uh, power power sites where the vendors and the dancers and the drummers are all together and the people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing that happened there is that we um, uh, we started to through compaction of the soil. Mm-hmm. One of the things mm-hmm. we started the the trees started to be impacted, and right. we had to start cutting them out. And so, uh, two thousand and seven. Um, we had to make the decision about whether we we're going to keep using that space the way we used it. So mm-hmm. the decision was made to move the vendors, uh, food and craft vendors, uh, all that vendor space out of the out of the grove area, and just let the uh, the drumming and dancing take place back there. Uh, when it rains, we have a big tent and we go to the we move out and go under the tent uh, on site here. Uh, so it makes for um, quite a nice. Uh, location for it and that uh, until uh, and I'll say because we're growing um, we're you know not now considering to move to a new site which has been in the works for a couple years now and they're still working to get services there at a new site uh, uh, just up the road from us and Mm -hmm. the one one of the problems that it will solve is parking right yeah Parking has been, uh, as more and more people come, we, we don't have good parking space. And a couple of years ago, we had to start shuttling uh, to get people in. So mm-hmm. we, to save the Grove, like be good environmental uh, stewards, that we move the, no, no cars drive down there, just people walk into the area. And we've been maintaining it as a, uh, like a special place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, uh, the, uh, we're building the new arbor, uh, which isn't done yet. Uh, building a unique, um, we call it the dream catcher um, mm-hmm. arbor, where it has a dome and unique uh, styling on the top. Uh, so for next year, we'll have that all in place. And we're hoping to build the same kind of one up at the new site. This one mm-hmm. here will stay here and be used by the community for uh, uh, smaller events and stuff. Uh, but it'll be, uh, like I said, it'll be... Uh, It'll be okay. It'll solve the parking problem that we have uh, when you know up to three thousand people come. That uh, makes for a lot of cars to get parked. Yeah, over the weekend. And uh, for people that that maybe don't understand, maybe haven't been to a powwow, for instance, um, the way the arbor is is the place in the center of this this opening that you mentioned in the grove, where all the drum groups sit underneath perform and the dancers uh, and and participants take place uh, dancing around that uh, area yes yes and and, and that new arbor that was a, a bit of a competition or something that you had going right to to find a, a new design yes we put it out uh, 
Well, we, we worked in partnership with the University of Waterloo Architectural mm. Department, mm. and they were looking to partner up with uh, uh, different groups. Uh, and it was they were brought to us, and we said, "Yeah, well, we need a new arbor. Let's start." And so they they started to do the design competition. Um, mm. Different uh, groups there uh, start researched about the the First Nation uh, mm. cultural event, and then they proposed different designs and then they brought it to the to the community and we picked the one uh that we thought was uh, right. what we liked the most and that's its design it's a grid design so as they as the architects call it and then uh, it looks like a dream catcher uh, mm. you know with uh, just that it's domed and uh, the the one thing about it It'll be the only one built like that because it was too difficult to build. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember hearing yeah. about that. Um, it, it's a beautiful looking arbor. Uh, and as you say, it looks like a dream catcher. But the uh, the difficulty in, in manipulating the wood for the shapes and, and all of that kind of thing, yeah. uh, uh, you guys found out that that was, in order to do it correctly, it was going to take a long time to, yeah. I guess, to get the wood shaped uh, and bent in, into the, the proper uh, formation so that yeah. it would stay and, and hold. I think you guys found that some of it was separating or something, right? When yeah, you, when, when they yeah. tried to bend it. Because uh, yeah. in bending wood, uh, any woodworker will know, mm -hmm. like the lacrostic makers or, you know, mm -hmm. make curved uh, furniture fixtures that you have to steam it, yep. bend it sit steam it just keep it's a process and it yeah. just doesn't happen you know over a, mm -hmm. a one one try you got to do all of it uh, and then there was a hundred hundreds of pieces to do that too and yeah. we there was no more time we just had to stop and uh, <laughs> cobble it up for the first uh, last year to use it first uh, mm -hmm. so uh, we, we got it through this year uh, which all the thing that needs to happen now with it is to get the uh, top on it there's a custom mm. top that's to come so mm. as it turned out uh, you know with everything stopping the university student stopping the class that was going to work on it next and uh, the you know everybody in the community all of our communities stopping the uh, big gatherings and things like that mm. so the power was yeah. one of the things that went to went yeah you know off the calendar yeah. You know, Carolyn, there's there so many things about your, your your powwow specifically that make it unique and make it interesting, uh, I think, for people to know about. You know, the Mississaugas uh, have always approached their powwow. First of all, it's a traditional powwow, not much un unlike your, your neighbors uh, mm -hmm. to the Six Nations that have a competition powwow. That alone is, is different, and, and many people uh, recognize that difference right away when they do go. If they if they see uh, if they compare the two, so so the Six Nations powwow, of course, champion of champions, very very well known, very uh, almost internationally known. The dancers come from across North America to compete. There's big money put on the table for for the dancers and the and the drum groups and the singers. Um, your traditional powwow, much more uh, a smaller. But of course, more intimate, and you get to to mix up with the the dancers and the performers, and and the cultural event on a much more personal level. Yes, yes, we've uh, uh, always done that. The one thing is different. We do have a traditional power, and I'll say it means uh, that we don't compete on the dance floor, mm -hmm. uh, or the dance arena, or mm -hmm. in the drum circle. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's so that the, it makes for that non-competition. 
mm-hmm. non-competitive environment. And so, you know, people can jump drums and things like that. Right. You can't do that in a competition. <laughs> and and the, the dancers, all the participants can put something into the event. And that, you know, they, we, we sort of grow and thrive on the input from the uh, drummers, dancers, all the people who come to make the event happen, all want to, like, you know, make suggestions for improving or new ideas. Uh, and the vendors are the same way. We've listened to the vendors all along uh, about what we should do or how we, you know, how we handle things. And that, so it's been a great learning experience for all of us because uh, we had not had a, uh, a powwow or a cultural event in our community for, you know, when we had it in 87, it was over 100 years that we'd had the big drum in, in our community. So it's mm. been a bringing back of the uh, um, culture and traditions, and one of them being a, a powwow, which is a social event. It's mm. not like a, you know, not necessarily a ceremonial one. And we do, we do do some ceremony because we have the opening in the morning, uh, sunrise ceremony, and then through the time, through the two days, people can um, uh, carry out ceremony if they want because we've had people who do a, bring a dress, uh, introduce a mm. dress, or they introduce a, a drum, in which case most of those kinds of things happen at a traditional power mm. uh, where they, they do that. And it does make for a friendly, uh, and I always like to say teaching, teaching power we try to explain things all the time mm-hmm. about what's happening and invite people to come and visit the community and get to know us so it's it's like a first step into getting meeting a first nations community yeah and and that's some of the wonderful things that that you do do uh, and every year you approach the the powwow with a new kind of a theme that you try to instill within uh, the the growth of of what you're doing and and move that that forward, both from a just not on not just from a social or, or um, in, in entertainment uh, uh, perspective, but also from an educational one. Yeah, yes, that's uh, we try to like make the theme something topical. What's happening in the community or what's happening in the environment? Like uh, we've done water a few times over the years. Mm. Uh, profiling the importance of water and have speakers come in and we try to talk to um, you know the what's happening in the in the area i mean when we had the uh, we got the uh, water line at, in new credit uh, that uh, even the t-shirts had water 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 and it showed her from sort of a lake down to a smaller body of water down to our pipeline so that's mm. what that t-shirt was even uh showed uh, what we were doing and the difference in and how uh, water is part of our life mm. And Carolyn, mentioning water, it's interesting, of course, because the Mississaugas, uh, of course, are based in uh, southern Ontario, all around Lake Ontario. The Credit River uh, is is uh, is one of the names uh, associated with the, the, the Mississaugas of the Credit uh, and that whole history. People can learn about that. You, uh, as you, you uh, the Mississaugas were were um, originally from the territory of, of that area and all those waterways that, that uh, lead into uh, Lake Ontario. Um, and and that, that history and connection there, even in terms of what that, that means in terms of credit, uh, how the Mississaugas were known as the, the good credit Indians because of the trading that yeah. went on between the settlers and, and those kind of things. Yes, yes, and the uh, people can, you know, 
invite people to come and uh, check us out, get to know us. Uh, we're always up for visitors and touring people around and telling our history. We have a, a good website the um, yeah. and for Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. And the Cultural Committee has a website, too, that talks uh, mostly specifically for the cultural event, the mm -hmm. uh, annual powwow. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, and anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in one of those two coordinates, plus E-L-M-N-T-F-M, and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. My guest is Carolyn King. She is co-chair of the Cultural Committee for the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. We're talking about the powwow uh, at New uh, Mississaugas of the Credit and uh, how there is not one this year, but also it, it's a, a wonderful little powwow that they've had going on for such a long time. If you have not been to a powwow, I suggest you look it up. It usually happens in late August, yes. and um, it, it's not going to happen this year. But, uh, Carolyn, you're, you're going to be doing something virtual. Is that right? Well, we've been talking about Okay. It. Um, yeah. We haven't quite got that figured out, whether it's a, okay. you know, a copy of, a, uh, say, video of just yeah. the powers that it have happened, mm. Mm. Uh, which you've been, you've been part of, uh, mm. that, or, you know, individuals are hoping that maybe we'll, we'll do a, you know, a dance competition online like other ones are yeah. doing. Right. Uh, so, I don't know, we're just, we're just talking about that, and we have a lot of, you know, you might say footage for what mm. we could do uh, uh, for that weekend you might say so there's a yes. couple of people who want to do that i'm not that savvy on the computer to do put anything like mm. that together so it wouldn't mm. be me <laughs> right uh, but uh yeah there's uh there's an interest and uh, people are missing it mm -hmm. sure you know that we're our, our you know the cultural committee we have about six uh, uh regular members and that uh you know we're not coming together to plan anything we don't have a summer student on helping organize the details and mm. you know so people who are the vendors who ordinarily sell their their arts and crafts uh at the event are out of luck this year uh, like yeah every place else and they're then they're going you know having to go online to to sell their their products mm -hmm. and that's so it, yeah it's a big difference big change it, would have been our 34th uh, uh gathering and um, i imagine there is a lot of uh, organization that has to take place behind the scenes it's like any other uh, event that takes place um, um lots of things have to go into it in order to make it happen every year yes oh for sure i'll just uh, you know the site uh, getting the site ready and getting the community ready uh promotions you know all of that and putting ads out and so we have to get get our uh, ideas and our things down uh, you know, the theme, the date, all of that is figured out early so we can advertise in tour tourism magazines and put it out to all the media uh, about the event. And that um, we, uh, like I said, even the, um, you know, we, we all get ready for it. And uh, the uh, even the community, the council, uh, they organize uh, even the construction projects around the power so they were not, uh, you know, got the roads all dug up during uh, when the power is going to come they'll organize it for after the power or construction projects that's going to be on site here uh, around the administration uh, uh, main main administration area yeah so it's a whole uh, sort of community event and like i said it's our largest public event that we we host and you know that the chief and council gets to bring in uh, invite uh, uh, dignitaries and 
Uh, we've had the governor general here, Ontario governor general here, twice uh, in, in the last uh, few years. Uh, the different mayors come uh, and invite different, uh, and different groups come to, uh, will come to the event uh, to experience it in a not, uh, let's say, since we get maybe up to 3,000 people, it's a much smaller event. Mm, and mm -hmm, mm. They, uh, we find that a lot of groups like to come. We've had um, the Korean group, we had the Muslim right. group. Uh, right. Different churches have organized their youth to come here. Sometimes they <coughs> stay right on site. Uh, different uh, institutions like the youth group uh, uh, wilderness camps have come here and stayed all weekend and camped out. And we take them uh, on walks. They can do that around our council house here. We have the uh, Carolinian uh, garden, which is a, always a hit for the environmental people that they can come and uh, uh, identify the plants and sit in the circle there. And our three fires, they can come and sit. It really has, uh, you know, we're a small, small group, but uh, it, there's a lot of people that we've impacted uh, who come just to be part of our community during right. that week. You know, when you, going back to the water, when you mentioned the water, I was thinking uh, what I was trying to get to was how, how it is interesting because you brought up uh, the water line. Uh, for the Mississaugas, uh, as, a, as a nation of people, always having been around water and then moving to your new location where you are now and not having any body of water at all. That's right. We're one of the few nations other than the new, newer ones who are urban reserves. Uh, we moved here in 1847, uh, mm -hmm. moved from the Toronto, Mississauga, Credit River area to this location adjacent to the Six Nations who'd already moved in from the United States. And that we, um, uh, our name is uh, Mississauga, that means body of water with many mouths, and that uh, we come to no water. So mm -hmm. I, I just can't imagine the cultural shock of that from being right. um, so much around water. And I would say almost every First Nation is around water because that's mm. your life source. Sure. Know, for uh, your your food and your hunting and your transportation. So it really changed us uh, in our uh, our people's, you know, our, our ancestors' life to be here with no water. And then to be yeah. here with no water, and we got to use a pipeline to get water to the community. Right. Yes. Yeah. Now, going back to the Grove, and, and uh, I really find it, it really fascinating and interesting for people to know, uh, because the, you mentioned the Carolinian Forest, uh, that grove has some very sensitive uh, uh, um, um, uh, uh, growth in there. That That's one of the other reasons why you decided also to, to move and protect the area in, in many ways. Yes, so the, the grove is, well, the grove is a special place anyway. Uh, mm. It's right behind what we, our new credit school, our original elementary school, uh, was right there. Uh, they had the playground and then the grove area, and mm. uh, like my husband, uh, who went to school here and the other ones that they'll say the Grove, you could go to the, the playground for the school, the school, schoolyard was the edge of the, the Grove and you very, the Grove was considered off site, And so they would do, mm. you'd do a field trip over to the Grove, pick mm. plants, uh, pick the leaves. And uh, it wasn't always maintained the way it is today after we started to put the power there. Uh, yeah. it, uh, it became more of a, a gathering place, a picnic area uh, where we could do things. We've had three weddings there. Actually, I think four now. Oh, four wow. weddings. Even our, our current chief, um, mm. Chief R. Stacy Laform, got married in the Grove. Mm. December at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and because it's traditional grounds, 
and it's blessed, you know, smudged. Mm. We have elders mm. come in and do that. Uh, people who want to get married in a more traditional way will uh, come here. That's, that's why they've come here because mm. it's the traditional grounds. Right. Yeah. And so the trees are important to us. Uh, they're part of the Carolinian. Uh, we have a nice oak hickory uh, um, grove there. Uh, we've and we're trying to maintain it. Gypsy moth have got it right now, but mm. uh, there's not too much we can do with that. Uh, so the plants, so, we have lots of, uh, we've cut, since we don't drive in there, the, the little oaks have grown up. We have hundreds of little oaks now. Mm. Uh, so that, that grove is going to survive. Mm. That's yeah. great. Yeah. And, and of course, the other thing that you have done uh, is you, you know, for, for people, this is what I find really wonderful about the, the Mississaugas uh, a powwow every year, that it isn't just about the powwow. It's about the community. It's about protecting the environment and it's about beautifying the environment. I, I think of all the, the wonderful things you have done with the, the uh, natural uh, vegetation that you brought back in. You planted around the old council house. You had all that beautified, uh, you know, and then you have someone that worked on it. Uh, doing tours to explain what's going on during the powwow. So you, you have those things, plus you have all those other cultural events that you have people speaking uh, for over the, the two days uh, and presenting information for people to go and learn about uh, all kinds of things, the belts, uh, you know, other cultural events that are going on. And then, of course, the other thing we haven't touched on, which isn't directly related to the powwow, um, but it's, it ties in with your, the new school, of course, and that is this wonderful mural that you have painted mm -hmm. inside the library uh, of your public school that tells the history of the Mississaugas. And you have tours that, that you take people from the powwow over to see that as well. Yes, yes. We can do a little mini cultural tour about the community. I always like to profile the community and, and all of the things that we do. And so like I said, it's like a teaching power and it, it helps mm -hmm. us get to learn our story or our people who work on it. And then people who come here get to see it because we have organized tours to go to the church come through the council house here mm -hmm. uh, the church is the oldest uh, building in the in the community uh, and then now the new school with the mural which is kind of like our uh, like a tourism product and the mm -hmm. mural is a is a depiction visual depiction of the of the uh, history but also of the recall um, it our traditional story mm -hmm. and that's so no it's always good to do it I, I go. Uh, I'm not. I I do the. I'll do the presentation uh, tours for that. But I do the five minute version. Uh, if you really did the full version for the mural, it's every segment is a teaching, so it can take mm -hmm. quite a while. So we kind of speed it up and get through people through in about half an hour. Mm. And the mural is for people that are listening and, and are perhaps interested if you go to the powwow and, and want to see this mural. We're not talking about a, a, a small mural. It, no. It's a very large mural at the top, all around the top on three sides of the inside of the library at the school. And uh, there's two, if I'm not mistaken, Carolyn, it's two uh, interpretations yes. uh, that are that you're seeing on that of that mural. Yes, Philip Cote, who's uh, doing, uh, he's a good friend in your credit, and he was, uh, him and his partner, partner um, uh, were part of bringing that idea to the school and working with the students. We had three uh, students in, who mm -hmm. did, worked on the mural. And so Philip Cote and um, uh, I want to say Marie, mm. his partner, 
they, they anyway, they guided that whole process. And that uh, uh, the other uh, artist is uh, Tracy Anthony, who right. is a local artist. Uh, uh, he's related to the community, but he's over on six member of the Six Nations community. Mm. And that, so together they tell the same story. Just, you know, our, everybody's yeah. different and the artists yeah. tell their print their story different. Philip's right. more of a natural uh, colors, the browns and subtle colors. And Tracy is uh, stronger, uh, deep, vibrant colors. But like mm. you said, till, still tell the same story. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's wonderful, wonderful to see that if, if people are able to get out there. Absolutely. Well, Carolyn, we're, we're almost out of time and it's been a pleasure speaking with you. It's always uh, a nice to, to touch base with you and talk, especially about the powwow. It's such a great event for people to come and, and take part in um, and, and for people to see. Unfortunately, that's they won't be able to do that this year, but next year is going to be. Do you think next year you might be in the new area? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. They're getting water, uh, water service in mm -hmm. there and right. uh, improving the, you know, getting the electricity uh, all up and running. And uh, uh, that's what we're thinking. It could right. be our first, uh, our first time in the move. And right. so that's going to be part of our planning process uh, if the new site's there. Uh, right. But it is happening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, okay, look forward, well, we look forward to visitors and uh, people come out to visit us. Check out our website, New Credit Cultural Committee, and the right. Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. Yeah. Carolyn, always a pleasure. Miigwech for taking part in the show today, and we uh, we wish you all the best with uh, everything you're doing personally, as well as uh, with the powwow coming up in the next year. So, uh, uh, miigwech uh, once again for joining yeah, us. Miigwech. Okay, Mama P. Bye. Bye bye. And that is Carolyn King. She is uh, co-chair of the cultural committee at the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation uh, powwow, and uh, someone who is also an ex-chief. Uh, with the community as well. It's been a pleasure to have her on the show. Don't go away. We're going to be right back with more right here on Moment of Truth right after this. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses, and it is a pleasure to welcome to the show Sergeant Dan Boussieres, and he's with Chigink First Nation on Manitoulin Island. And we appreciate you uh, joining us on, on the line today to talk a little bit about what's going on in, in your community. Because, of course, since COVID-19 lockdown, uh, many, many First Nations, including uh, my own Six Nations, have been uh, setting up the, uh, uh, the, the checkpoints for people to uh, pass through or prevent uh, outsiders from coming in to stop the spread of COVID-19. Uh, how has it been on Manitoulin, and in particular with um, Chiging First Nation? Uh, Chiging did a staged approach. So at first, when COVID-19 was announced, they did basically... Um, a health checkpoint system. So they requested that, or sorry, drivers um, stop and were asked just a few health related questions to keep track of who was entering their community. Um, and as Chiging had more people entering through the community, they decided to come up with uh, checkpoints requesting that people stay out of their community and use alternative routes. Hmm. Um, as it stands now, those checkpoints have been removed and they've gone to a tiered system. So right now within our community, we have um, road close signs on all of our local roads. 
um, people are allowed to go through on the major highways, but they're still asked to stay out of the actual community itself on the local roads. Right. And and how are things in the community itself as far as uh, uh, COVID-19 um, uh, activity? Uh, for as far as COVID-19 activity, the Chief and Council of Chiging have taken a very proactive stance in regards to um, upping their standards of prevention and uh, security for their community members. Um, so they're working in tandem with a lot of the local businesses to ensure that the community is safe. Luckily, given the fact that we're rather remote, um, we haven't had a confirmed case of COVID-19 within Chiging. Mm. And hopefully with the measures that they're putting in place, they won't have any. Mm. Well, that's great. Uh, Manitoulin Island is one of my favorite places to go. Uh, I, I love it uh, up there when I can get there. I love taking the ferry over. Chiging, I think, is where I actually took my family at one point because I think they opened up some uh, glamping. Uh, is that is that the right community? Because I know there's like six, six reserves on Manitoulin, isn't there? Well, glamping would be a bit of a, a vague term in far as what <laughs> place you went to, but a lot of the communities here have short-term cottages mm. and they also have seasonal cottagers. Mm. But uh, within Chiging at this moment in time, they're requesting that people who are or have cottages or seasonal mm. residents stay out of the community at right. this moment in time. What else, uh, what else that we, we might want to know about in terms of, of how Chiging is, is treating either the COVID-19 situation or looking towards the summer uh, in, in terms of even tourism? Well, when it comes to tourism at this moment in time, um, like I've said before, the local streets are closed off to non-members of the community mm. or uh, seasonal residents as well as tourists. You are still able to go through the highway at this moment right. in time. So Highway 540 and 551 are both open. Um, it's just that the community asks people to stay out of the actual community streets mm. to avoid the spread. And that, of course, is the voice of uh, Sergeant Dan Bussieris. He's with Michigan First Nation on Manitoulin Island. He was uh, just calling in to give us an update on what's going on with COVID-19, the checkpoints, what the summer's looking like with tourists. And as you heard him say, uh, they're still advising people to uh, stay out of the community. Uh, they're able to pass through on the highways, those kind of things. Uh, but they are still uh, taking precautions when it comes to uh, protecting their uh, community. And specifically, elders uh, are, are of major importance uh, through this COVID-19 situation as they are susceptible specifically uh, to COVID-19. And that is this part of the program. We appreciate you uh, listening to us here on Moment of Truth. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And it is a pleasure to welcome our next guest to the show. Charlene Bomberry is with us. She is from the Six Nations of the Grand River Territory and involved uh, for many years with the Six Nations of the Grand River Champion of Champion powwows. She sits on the committee. Welcome to the show. Oh, Nyawa. It's mm. actually, it's the Grand River Champion of Champions powwow. Uh, do you have a title on the committee or is it just a committee of people that... I'm the chairperson. Okay. And we have we have a group of people probably, if we all show up, we're probably a good 20, 25 people. Wow. That's a big committee. Now, the, the Champion of Champion Powwows is, of course, a big event, uh, one that is uh, a very well known across North America with participants coming from across North America. Can you take us back a little bit about the powwow and the history of it? Because 
it's a well-known event now, but of course, when it started, it wouldn't have been. How did it all get started? Um, back in all the mid-70s, I guess, mid-1970s, mm-hmm. um, there was a few of us that started powwow dancing. I still, I don't even know how that happened, but anyway, <laughs> I don't remember, I guess. But anyway, we started powwow dancing, and then um, I think it was like maybe 1979. We're dancing, there's getting more and more people from Six Nations that were starting to participate in powwow. So we thought, well, let's, let's host one. Because mm. <clears throat> we're going to all these other communities and participating in their powwows. So we thought, well, let's, let's host one here. And... Um, Go from there, see what happens. And so, so in 1979, we formed a committee, which is, by the way, an all volunteer committee and it has been, still is mm. since 1979. So, we did a bunch of um, fundraising. Right. So, we had, we had um, turkey shoots and raffles, and we had, um, we did some catering jobs and, so we had enough money to put on our first powwow in 1980. And it's been the fourth weekend in July every year since then. It's always been at Chiefswood Park. And it's a great location, of course, right on the river and uh, a wonderful uh, place for people to gather, lots of space, lots of areas for the vendors to, to participate as well. You have vendors that also participate and come from uh, all over. Oh, yeah, they come from all over. Canada and the United States too, everywhere. Hmm. So, when did it start to really pick up? Uh, you know, as an event that hey, this is this is one that that we want to come to. It's a it's a competition powwow, of course, different from a traditional powwow. Mm-hmm. It was a success right from the very beginning. So, so of course, COVID nineteen has had an impact on on everything, including powwows. Uh, many of them have been uh, curtailed for the year because of this. Six Nations. Uh, included. Um, has there ever been a time when you had to cancel it in the past? No, this is the first time, first time ever. Because it draws such a, a huge crowd, like it just was not safe to even mm-hmm. think about continuing mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Now, I'm glad you mentioned a huge crowd. I was gonna, just going to ask that. What, what kind of participation, uh, both in terms of dancers uh, and drummers, singers uh, from that side, do you have? And then uh, how many uh, 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 people generally show up from the general public every year? Well, dancers and singers, we usually get generally between three and 400. Mm. And then um, the general audience is averages like around 10,000 people over the weekend. Now, I believe, moved ahead with uh, doing something in a virtual uh, perspective. Yes, we're going to on on July 25th, which is our powwow weekend. We will be um, hosting a virtual contest. I guess mm. we're going to offer we're going to offer three contests, dance contests. Our I guess we call it our theme is um, honoring our elders. Mm. So we're the contests we're having are um, golden age men's and women's divisions for ages 65 and over. Mm -hmm. And the third one is a drum team dance. Mm. And team dance is um, 
where they would they all dance the same kind of like kind of like uh synchronized swimming mm-hmm. where everybody does the same moves well then the team the drums were asking the drums to participate in that but there's not a whole lot for the elders elderly dancers our golden mm. agers and for our for our drums because a lot of their singers are um spread out they're not all they don't all necessarily live in the same community or right. or they're not necessarily family mm-hmm. so we're leaving that portion up to the up to the drums how they want to do their team dance if they happen to be together and they want to do their um their competition all together there in one spot that's fine but if they're not together and they want to synchronize their um videos into mm. a team dance that's fine as well oh that might take some uh, some work to do something like that but it sounds great and then and then how is that going to uh how how are you going to uh coordinate this so that uh, other people and how is it going to be done is the committee going to decide on the winners or is it going to be put out into the public and people will vote how will that work no we're we're going to um get some judges to Mm. like like at a powwow you pick judges yeah so that's how so that's how we're going to do it and um the participants will upload their um videos onto our facebook page Mm. So everybody can watch them dance. Right. Uh, that sounds great. It's a, it's a great uh, way to keep keep things uh, involved, keep people involved, and and ha- have some uh, have something for people to do in, in this regard. You know, the other thing, uh, Charlene, that that of course the powwow brings is lots of vendors, uh, and they're impacted, of course, by this as well. Oh, definitely. We usually get. And for craft vendors, we generally get between 100 and 125 mm. vendors. And we also have food um, vendors. Mm-hmm. And we usually get about between 30 and 35 for them. Right. And, and of course, uh, that's, they're impacted because they do the powwow circuit as, as well, I'm guessing, a lot of them. So that, uh, how would you say that, that that is going to impact them financially this year you know with with the powwow circuit being affected so much for the for the vendors that that rely on this kind of stuff oh i'm sure it's going to have a a huge impact because a lot of them um for one thing they do very well at grand river Mm -hmm. powwow Mm -hmm. and they and they all have some awesome uh product yeah generally most of it is handmade i mean there's like the t-shirts and things like that too but but most of them are their own, are their handmade um, items. Right. My guest here on Moment of Truth is Charlene Bomberry. She's the chair of the Champion of Champion Powwow on Six Nations. That happens on the fourth uh, weekend of July every year, and it's been going since around 1970 some odd. And it's a pleasure to have uh, Charlene with us on the show to talk about the powwow. And not only its success, but also the impact that COVID-19 is having on it. They've decided to do something virtual this year. Charlene, um, you know, the other side of, of this, we're talking about, we've talked about some of the dancers. You get around three or 400, you said, uh, the, the singers and dancers and drummers. Um, 
there there's competition this being a competition powwow uh, it's not just for the dancers that are competing uh, the, the drummers and singers also compete and and um and as you say there's judges what are the judges looking for in in, in when they're when they're uh listening to and watching dancers and drummers and singers well the for the dancers they um watch them make sure they're dancing according to their category dance style. Mm-hmm. And um, those would be, like for the women, it's um, fancy shawl, traditional, and jingle. Mm-hmm. And for the men, it's um, fancy, um, I guess some people call it fancy feather, mm-hmm. and um, traditional mm-hmm. and grass dancing. And the judges will watch for them um, staying in beat, um, dancing appropriate style, and um, and um, dance or um, sorry, stopping on time with the drum. So mm. it's kind of a competition between the dancers and the drummers too. Mm. Mm. The, the drummers, the drummers will sing a song that makes the the dancer makes them dance, mm. and also um, trying to, I guess, kind of like trying to trick them. <laughs> so they had so they. Basically, so they stop on time and, and get right. the correct beats and things like that. And with the singers, um, the judges there watch for, um, listen to the lead singer because they have a lead singer. And then, mm-hmm. and then um, all the other singers join in when appropriate and they all stay in beat um, and that they sing the appropriate song for mm the dance category mm. or style. Uh, dancers, uh, of course, uh, make their own regalia or, or, and, and uh, spend a lot of time working on that regalia to make it personal. Um, of course, it is a very, it's, it's a very beautiful uh, uh, um, visual um, a piece of, of clothing that is a very attractive to many people. A lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, of the people that show up at the powwows um, that are uh, they don't know uh, a lot of the protocol around these things. Of course, they want to have one picture taken. Uh, the visitors with the, with a lot of the dancers, they want to maybe touch the regalia, which is a big no no. Um, and I'm not sure how many people may may know that. Um, it, what else can you tell us around the protocols regarding regalia? Um, I would just say if you want to. Um talk directly with the dancers and um you know if you want to admire their work usually they're pretty receptive to um uh showing people and um like you know ask for permission to take their picture if you want to take their picture Mm. and definitely ask for permission if you want if you really want to touch touch their regalia then by all means, you must ask for permission because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't necessarily want people touching their uh, their artwork. And, and of course, the other thing that happens during a powwow sometimes, and not always, um, is that uh, if a feather uh, falls from a, a regalia, the, the powwow is, is stopped, and then there's a certain uh, certain protocols are put into place to raise that feather off the ground. A lot of people may not understand that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What I've heard and seen done is um, 
is that when a when a feather falls, but it has to be an eagle feather. If it's right. an eagle feather that falls, that represents a fallen a fallen warrior. Mm. So someone who has passed in battle, I guess. Right. And and so then the protocol there is um, we we usually have um, a hit veteran, and mm-hmm. they're the they are the person responsible for picking up that feather, and they all, they all do it a little bit different. Sometimes mm-hmm. some of them will do it every time a feather falls. Mm-hmm. Some of them will um, will say, okay, what if it happens? Like there are times when it it doesn't happen at all, but mm-hmm. if it does. Um, they'll pick up the first one and and have a, an appropriate song, and they'll bring some dancers out, um, usually veterans, to dance for that feather. And the head veteran will pick it up, give it back, or what? Like talk to the owner if mm. they know who the owner is. Sometimes they don't know, right? But um, yeah, that's how. So they'll pick it up, and and then uh, other times. They'll do it just that once, that the the singing and dancing part. But the rest right. of the time, if any others, if any other feathers fall after that, um, the head veteran will just go and offer tobacco mm. and pick it up himself. Right, and Charlene. Of course, the other side of this, uh, you know, there's the performance. There's the there's the the entertainment side of it. There are the vendors of the champion champion powwow, which, as you say attracts uh, somewhere between 10,000 uh, plus people over two days uh, of, the, of the weekend that, that this, part, this happens at. This year has been curtailed because of COVID-19. So as you look to the future then, uh, you know, planning for, I guess, next year, hopefully it will be back open and, uh, and, and it will be uh, taking place at its uh, usual time frame at the fourth weekend of July. Um, what do you what do you anticipate uh, any changes or or anything of that nature? We're hoping that it'll be back to the usual, but nobody knows, right? We have to wait <laughs> and see. But we're planning yeah. on next year. We're continuing with planning for next year and on into the future. We have we have a Friday night, um, Friday evening entertainment as well. Oh and yeah, the Friday evening event is um, free admission. And so next year we'll be looking at what kind of a lineup we'll have for next year. And so does that take place down in the powwow grounds area? Is that more at the top of the hill up in the, uh, on the park side? No, it's down, it's down the hill in the, in the dance area where the, where the dancing usually takes place. Yeah. So we'll have, um, whatever we end up having, that's where it'll be. Um, okay. we've kind of, we've kind of taken, um, I guess we're, we're trying to share, um, other cultures, other native cultures. Mm-hmm. So we look at, we're, we look at trying to bring in, um, someone like either dance groups or musicians from all different areas. Mm. Um, in the past, in the past, we've had, um, the Apache crown dancers from, um, I believe they're from Arizona mm. and uh, let me see. And we've had, because, because last year was our um, 40th anniversary. Mm. We, um, 
And Six Nations is the host of the Grand River Champion of Champions powwow. We had um, our Six Nations night for Friday. Mm. So mm. We, we featured all, uh, right. all the Six Nations um, yeah. as our lineup. Yeah. And there are many. So, That's great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, actually, you know, we had, a, we had a group of dancers and um, the fellows that we had um, to organize it, they came up with their, the idea that they came up with is they had representation in the dance group from every um, one of the Six Nations. Mm. So they oh, made cool. sure that all Six Nations were represented in that group, yeah. which was really, oh. really nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's great. Um, uh, what was it? I think you've had the Aztec dancers as well, haven't you? Uh, they're a very colorful group of performers. Yeah. So we're looking at, um, there's, a, there's a lot of different dance uh dance groups and musicians that mm. we're thinking of for the future, not mm -hmm. necessarily just next year, but continuing on. Mm. Um, I know in the past, before we were, even before we were doing the Friday night, um, we had like years ago, we brought in the, um, what are they called? The San Juan Pueblo dancers. Oh yeah. And they're from, they're from Arizona as well. So yeah. they do different dances than the Apache crown dancers. We mm. had them come in. I think we've had the Zuni mm. Oya maidens. Oh yeah. And they're the they're the ladies that dance with the um pottery on their heads. Oh, yeah. um, balanced on their heads as they dance. Mm. Mm. So so then and we're also in the future we're kinda we're trying to um get in the they're called the bird singers and they're mm. they come from out california way cool. and probably sometime in the future as well perhaps some uh inuit throat singers oh yeah um so we're so we're looking for other um other cultures to share other mm. native cultures to share mm-hmm mm we're just going to wrap up, uh, Charlene. Just before we go, it is a competition powwow. I was just wondering what, what kind of a what kind of a, a win can people take home uh, with with uh, with the competition uh, if they if they're successful in in their category uh, of dancing or singing, drumming. What, what kind of you know remuneration do they do they take home with them? So for adults, eighteen and over. Actually, you know what we have. Um we broke our adults into different age groups because there's so many. We have senior adults and junior adults and golden age. So each one of those first place is a thousand dollars. Wow. That's great. And for the drummers, I think it's 10,000, but, but wow. with them guys, with them, it's higher because they, there's yeah. like usually at least five or more up to 10. Yeah. Dance, yeah that's uh, right. Singers. That's so right. That's why yeah. their, their competition money right. is higher yeah of course charlene it's been a, a real pleasure speaking with you uh you know, so much for taking the time to uh share about the powwow and about what's coming up for this year with the virtual uh online stuff that you're doing and we wish you all the best with uh with th that this year and of course uh for next year and and it's a continued success in the future okay and yama for inviting me to your show and check out our website it's uh grpowwow.ca Right. And we also have a Facebook page. Um, 
Grand River Champion of Champions Powwow. Yeah. All right. Grand River Champion of Champions Powwow on Facebook and grpowwow.ca. Uh, all right. Uh, so much, uh, Charlene, for joining us once again. That's Charlene Bombery. She is the chair of the Champion of Champion Powwow on Six Nations, which takes place in the fourth weekend of every July. This year, they're going virtual. Competition is going to happen online. As you heard her just mention, you can, they, they have a website, grpowwow.ca, and also a Facebook page. So check them out there. It's been a pleasure having her on the show. That is our show for today, but we thank you for listening each and every day to Moment of Truth right here on Element FM. We'll see you next time. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.